0: All bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies,
1: disasters. That's bad things.
0: Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this. ...is all bad things. Before we get started, I have some notes.
1: And we're going to get into some housekeeping.
0: Yes. Um, first of all, <clears throat> I learned a valuable lesson on whilst editing the previous episode, and that is... What
1: While doing what with the previous episode?
0: So, editing the previous oh, episode. Oh, editing. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought you were trying to say studying for some reason.
0: No, okay. no. Editing the previous episode. Um. I I learned never to forego a sound check. You would think I would know that. (laughs) Instead, it sounded like I was in a tin can or in another room, and you were right by the microphone. And
1: it's because she was. Like, we were trying a new technique.
0: (laughs) New technique. No, just kidding. No, No, it was my fault. I mean, you can hear it all okay. I just apologize that I didn't do such a great job recording We,
1: We apologize for our most recent episode's audio.
0: Yes. Yes, for the Granite Mountain Hotshot episode. Great content, but yes. poor recording quality. Sorry about that. Sorry, Reg. <laughs> yeah, he did suggest <laughs> that. Um, follow us on social media: Twitter, Insta, at All Bad Things Pod. AllBadThingsPod at gmail.com. Allbadthingspod.com.
1: That uh, eight eight days, eight days we spent in San Diego turned Rachel into a bit of a valley girl. So that's why.
0: <laughs> Do I sound like? Yeah, and so you
1: really did there because you said <laughs> think, you said Insta. Well, and,
0: I said Insta Purpose. I know. But, I know. Um, and really. <laughs> And since we're, we're um, early on in our great and vast future fame um, as, as like one of America's favorite podcasts, I'm sure <laughs> that will happen. Um, we are called, We are able to currently name our early adopters and thank them personally on the air. How yes. about that? So thank you, Brooke. You're delightful. And thank you, Rachel. And guess what Rachel has, other than an awesome name? A cat. She, she mentioned a dog. Her sister oh. mentioned a cat. Oh. But But um, she has her own podcast.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. With You're her, her about sister, that. Rebecca. That's yes. right, yes.
0: It's called Yours in Murder, <laughs> and it is delightful. I listened to the first episode of the BTK Killer, and I liked their approach. You know how a lot of stuff with BTK, they like... They tell it from, like, the vantage point of, like, the, the victims, and then they start finding out who BTK is years later.
1: Okay, so they...
0: They started with Dennis yes. Rader from day one and like told it as his better. story. Yeah, it was really, it was really <clears> a <throat> good approach.
1: Like when uh, Rob Zombie remade the original Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, he changed a lot of things for the better, but the main thing was... The first thirty minutes of that movie was a bit of a backstory on who Michael Myers was oh. that you did not get at all. You just had to make it up in your mind why gotcha. this why this little kid decided to uh, kill his older sister. Mm. Um, but in the in the remake that he did, he gave a backstory to that, and it, it was just it made it so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. I I obviously mm-hmm. the victims are have to be explained and mentioned and and thought of, mm-hmm. but. Going through the alley of, let's find out where the killer is coming from, is more interesting.
0: And and I feel like specifically with BTK... And and a
1: lot more fucked up.
0: Yeah, yes. (laughs) I feel like with BTK, a lot of times that's not done, so I liked their approach to it. They also both read the story. Okay. They, they, like, take turns, and it sounds really fluid. Like, it doesn't sound like, okay, it's your turn. It's your turn, you know? <laughs>
1: it doesn't sound like if we tried to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and their sisters... So,
1: I, I think I, I will check that out. Yeah. I, I definitely will. Yeah.
0: And they're from... I, I would put money on the fact that they're from the Midwest, because their accents uh, are uh, adorable. Oh yeah? No, it's... <laughs> they don't... It's not so much the oh, yeah. It's the... Um, um, pap, like, you know, they say Pop. Oh, pap. yes, I
1: do. Yes.
0: You know, I, I'm sure they say Pop I know that
1: from being in the, in the restaurant business. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anybody, I could spot somebody from Michigan in two seconds mm-hmm. if they ordered a pop.
0: Exactly.
1: And, uh, one of my managers at MCI, remember that? Remember that company back in the day? <laughs> uh, Nine,
0: 19 cents a minute. One of
1: my managers from, uh, MCI was from, I think he was from Lansing. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he would be like, it, "It was the first time I'd ever heard it." He'd be like, "Hey, you know, here's a here's a dollar. Get, go get me a pop, like, you, a,
0: like a what? A popsicle <laughs> yeah, pop? Like what are you like, talking about? Yeah, yeah.
1: like I kind of knew he meant a soda, but mm. I was just like, like be more specific. There's like,
0: <laughs> I I remember growing up. <laughs> there's
1: ten sodas in the thing.
0: I remember growing up, and it was. I mean, I grew up in several different places, mostly Miami, but also Indiana and, and Minnesota. But I remember Coke being any soda like, yeah, it, like I mean, yeah oh they're having a coke or um do you want a coke it didn't necessarily mean like coca-cola it sure. meant a soda but either coke or soda made sense pop was like what yeah what, what is pop hop yeah. on pop like what are you talking about
1: <laughs> can I get a jolt cola please
0: <laughs> my dad used to that's actually that
1: it's actually coming back I oh, read about
0: man. it um so anyway Rebecca and Rachel are sisters and their sense of humor is really funny because it's kind of like a blink and you miss it because they just they deliver it the same as like the facts and figures and everything. It's like really dry. I don't even know that they realize how funny some of the stuff they say. Are is.
1: they Rye Gen Xers? Hmm.
0: I feel like they are not. I feel like they are definitely millennials, potentially even the next generation. I don't know how old they are. The, the, but mi- the,
1: millenni- the millennials. The
0: millennials? That's
1: the generation coming up behind them.
0: Oh, okay. Um, you have the
1: millennials, now you have the millennials. Oh,
0: millennials. But uh, their mom texted them during this episode to comment on what she was hearing them say. (laughs) That's right. You told me about
1: this. (laughs) So either
0: they record in their mom's house or they live in their mom's house. So it depends. Either way, they're delightful, Midwestern, I'm assuming, sisters, and... Really sweet, and they reached out to us, and so go listen to Yours and Murder if you're a true crime podcast fan.
1: That is a fantastic name, by the way. It
0: is! Yours and Murder. That is
1: a great name for a metal metal song. Oh,
0: <laughs> Yours and
1: Murder. Or the name of a metal album. Or! Not, <laughs> not the name of a band, though. It wouldn't work for a no, band.
0: No, but a song title. That's, Actually, right, I think title. maybe the
1: album is the way to go mm. with that one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When, when our metal band... Um, Puts out our first EP. It's going to be called "Yours and Murder." <laughs> there
0: we go. And, but we'll pay royalties to Rachel yes. and Rebecca for yes. the use. Yes, we'll, we'll
1: give you the ten cents that we will make off that project <laughs> that only our parents bought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's all I got. You got anything?
1: I do not. Let's. Uh, all right. I'm, you've uh, you've hit, you hinted at this earlier tonight, so I I'm did. I'm curious to know. So what we're getting into? A
0: couple weeks ago, we had quite a few New Zealand listeners tune in to the podcast, and so I got super excited and decided to do a New Zealand disaster, and then they all stopped listening. <laughs> so you guys have to come back.
1: Yes. We're, 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 trying, to, we're trying to win we're you over. Wooing you yes.
0: We're wooing you back. We're wooing you back.
1: We're wooing you back by talking about a tragedy <laughs> in your country.
0: But that's how we do it.
1: Is, is, there, is there a better way to go that's about it? the only it? way we know I don't, how. I don't think there is.
0: <laughs> so this... <clears throat> will be I'm sure incredibly familiar to anyone and New Zealand probably Australia and the like but I had never heard of it so and it's, it's <laughs> then
1: chances are then I probably never have either
0: so this is the story of the Mount Erebus disaster
1: okay I'm now th- this could go a lot of different ways you
0: know I like to make you guess yes so, judging from that title, what do you think, what type of disaster are we talking about?
1: I think because now, because you made a hint about it earlier. I did. Is this an avalanche? No. Oh, okay. It, in, it does involve snow.
0: It does, yes. Um, Not, well, directly and indirectly-ish.
1: Okay. Um, a blizzard? I, I don't no. know. No, oh, okay. so...
0: This is our second plane crash.
1: Oh. Okay, that mm-hmm. didn't sound like a... Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. So, And,
1: and what, what was our first plane crash? The
0: crash of the Concorde. Yes. I need to do more air, like, plane crashes because there's a lot of them.
1: <laughs> Seeing as how we fly a decent amount, <laughs> maybe we should just do them... Occasionally.
0: I have... I know you don't like I'll, to hear about uh, my dreams. Although,
1: although I always do think of the airplane crash scene in the movie Alive whenever oh. I'm in a plane.
0: Oh, well, that's not a good time to be thinking about that.
1: But it, it's it's weird because it's kind of comforting in a way. In a in a weird way. Because some way. of them survived? Well, yes. Okay. And uh, it's like, oh, okay, well, I've already seen a plane crash, so I know, oh. I, I know what to expect.
0: It wasn't a real plane crash. No. It was a staged plane crash. No,
1: but at the time, I mean, it's... Again, the special effects at this point are a mm-hmm. bit dated.
0: Mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah. But,
1: but when it came out, I think it came out in 92, 93. Okay. Um, but it was like the first time you saw like a, like, wow, that's a plane crash right. scene. It was like, holy shit.
0: They they did that. It was pretty graphic. The Denzel Washington movie Flight was it called?
1: I did not see it.
0: I only saw the first part, and the first part was the plane crash. Oh okay. And I um, Castaway has a plane crash. Yes, it does. Um, and I think that movie Sully. I'm guessing like most of it is a plane crash.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) we we know we know it certainly involves a plane crash.
0: That everyone survived, I think.
1: Yes, they did.
0: Yeah, um, but I they
1: survived a they survived a water landing.
0: They did. I've become a much better flyer, have I not? You have. So much better. And I've become
1: worse. You That's have the weird a little
0: thing. bit. Roles have reversed <laughs> a bit. Yeah. I used
1: to not give a shit, but <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. The last couple times just...
0: Just got to you a little bit?
1: Not necessarily, but I didn't feel as comfortable as I norm- as I used to. Put it that way. Hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I know you don't like hearing about my dreams, but I did have a dream that I was in a plane crash over the like a few days ago, a few nights ago. Okay. All right. We'll move on. (laughs) So, yes, this is a plane crash, and I need to start doing more of them because there's so many. So many. I mean, like, still, it's the safest form of travel. It is. But still, it's fodder for (laughs) a podcast called Bad Things. Anyway, this is one of the worst disasters in New Zealand's history. Okay. All right. On November 28th, Nineteen eight, sorry, nineteen seventy nine.
1: What were you gonna say? Eighty nine. Oh, okay. And then that
0: would have been incorrect. So, seventy nine. Air New Zealand Flight Nine Hundred and One flew into Mount Erebus. Oh shit. On Ross Island, Antarctica. Whoa. <laughs> Killing 257 people on board. Holy shit. It remains New Zealand's greatest peacetime disaster. Wow. How wait, about that?
1: I'm going to guess that that was everybody on yes. board? Okay.
0: Yes, it was. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because yeah, yes. I don't see anybody surviving, crashing into a mountain.
0: Oh, wait till you hear about the circumstances. Oh, fuck. Yeah. fuck.
1: I don't know if I want yeah. to.
0: All right. So... This this flight flight nine oh one was a sightseeing flight of Antarctica. Oh, so like it, it was and it was operated by Air New Zealand. Um, these flights started in nineteen seventy seven, lasted a couple years, um, and took advantage of the fact that parts of Antarctica are as the crow or the plane flies. Just a couple thousand miles from New Zealand. So it's surprisingly close, okay. like New Zealand to Antarctica, like the, the southern point of New Zealand down to Antarctica. The flights left and came back the same day and were in the air the whole time. Like, they, they just went out and came sure. back. They didn't land on Antarctica. No. You know. Um and so they were marketed as like you know this unique experience, which obviously well, yes. it was. You get to see Antarctica yeah. from the air, you a know, a continent that's...
1: that uh, you don't see.
0: Right. So that's it's it's pretty incredible. Um, and this is ni- the late 1970s, so they had like a PA system, sure, that a tour guide would use to like, oh, and out the left side of the plane you can see blah blah <laughs> you blah, can see and a the giant right side
1: sheet of ice,
0: right? Well, there were also like yes. there's terrain to mm-hmm. announce, you know. Um, and the flights were generally booked around 85% capacity. They would leave the middle seats largely unbooked so that people could pass through oh, the I side. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, you want to be able to go and
1: look see. and, You want to yeah. be able
0: to see out the side. Plus, um, you, you could move around, you know, once you were at a cruising altitude or whatever. And so you could... See outside of both sides of the plane. It's
1: actually a pretty cool idea. A, I mean I mean really. A, I think it's I mean, a pretty
0: great idea too.
1: Where else are you gonna get to do that, really?
0: Exactly. Yeah, you
1: know, it's not like you're gonna make that flight from the United States and come back that the same day and like. No way. I mean,
0: no way. That's
1: not happening.
0: Um and and I thought this was pretty interesting. So the cost of this flight in November 1979 was 359 New Zealand dollars. Per person,
1: do they actually call their currency a dollar? Yes. Okay. New
0: Zealand dollars, NZD, Um, and it was adjusted Mm. to. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Oh oh god, that was
0: horrible. Um, Now that adjusted for inflation would be around one thousand two hundred seventy-nine New Zealand dollars today. So for those of us in the U.S., it's like a little over nine hundred bucks. Which seems, seems re- it, reasonable. It, it, it
1: honestly it does.
0: Yeah, it actually doesn't seem too bad.
1: Yeah.
0: Um uh so Air New Zealand used eight McDonnell Douglas DC ten thirty trijets for their fleet of sightseeing planes. Okay. These are big planes. Sure. Um they have large fuel tanks. Uh they they were used a lot for long haul flights. Sure. They're,
1: they're big and bulky yes. and just kind of...
0: The last DC-10, I think, flew in 2014, and they've retired oh, okay. all of the DC-10s. But they, they
1: essentially cut, like, right through the air. They're not, you know, they're kind of just making their own path.
0: They're big planes, yeah. yes. Yeah, their um, maximum passenger capacity was 380.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fucking big. huge plane.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, one of the features of these sightseeing flights was flying at lower altitudes. Sure. To get a good view of McMurdo Sound. And McMurdo Sound is like basically almost directly due south of New Zealand. So if you just followed New Zealand straight south to Antarctica, um, that's about where McMurdo Sound is. So was that
1: one of the first things they were probably seeing, maybe?
0: That's what they were aiming for, yeah, was was, um, McMurdo Sound. It's a large ocean inlet that connects the Ross Sea to the north to the Ross Ice Shelf Cavity to the south. Okay. So, we're learning a bit about Antarctic geography, and I have a, a picture, a map for us. Um, McMurdo... Good. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> let me show you. I'm going to need it. This... So, this is Antarctica. Okay. As our viewers... or Our listeners can clearly see.
1: <laughs> as our viewers can clearly listen.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you can... But Google it. Google it. This is... Um, Ross Island and McMurdo Sound, right in here. Okay. And New Zealand's right here.
1: Okay. So they do. were kind of taking a flight path right to, like, here?
0: No, they, they didn't go... They weren't going they to didn't. the center, the pole oh, okay. or anything. Gotcha. They were just, yeah.
1: Kind of circling around, probably, like, right there. That's what all these basically markers right are. right around
0: here, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Jeez, and and... and I mean, it's it's somewhat habitable now. There are scientists that live on and Antarctica. And even
0: then there were camps and such. There were
1: here and there, but at that time, like, it was just pretty much uninhabitable, and nobody was really thinking of, you I know. Mean, I
0: mean, I would think this was early tourism. Sure. I, not that they were actually landing in Antarctica, no, but no, 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 early no. sightseeing. Which you could
1: maybe do today with a helicopter, I'm sure.
0: Well, people uh, not, do get there. Not with a DC-10. Well, <laughs> There's no. There's probably
1: not a runway like that in Antarctica. Well,
0: plus <laughs> there are no DC-10s around anymore That's flying. So. That's interestingly, this I will divulge right now. This does not come into play. But the DC-10 had a lot of um, safety concerns.
1: Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there were
0: specific things regarding I think the cargo hold or something. Anyway. It, it does not come into play in this story so I didn't go into that too much.
1: but just traditionally they do
0: It's um, it's it's, a, it's re- a concern. It is one of the reasons that they eventually retired the sure. dc Tens as right. commercial air airliners so
1: well that's a good footnote.
0: <clears throat> yeah So they so they, the idea was to fly towards Antarctica, drop to a lower altitude and like fly around in there to, to view McMurdo Sound. And the, the mountains and the volcanoes and sure. stuff around there. Um, McMurdo Sound is the southernmost navigable body of water in the world. Okay. Um, and Ross Island is in the Sound. You can kind of... That's what
1: that is right I think there?
0: It's either that one or that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, Damn,
1: talk about... I mean, how fucking cool would it be... It
0: would be really... Just to be there. Yes, yes.
1: Like we're at the southernmost point of the...
0: Southernmost navigable body of water. Yeah. In the mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. Um, that's now why,
1: that's why there's nobody else here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On Ross Island in McMurdo Sound is Mount Erebus, the second highest volcano in Antarctica, and the southernmost active volcano in the world. Okay, uh, its summit is twelve thousand four hundred forty-eight feet, and I will translate that since this that's, is a New Zealand that's disaster.
1: Just over two miles.
0: Three thousand seven hundred ninety-four meters. Need to go metric, too, in this one. And it was named for Erebus, the ancient Greek god of darkness, son of chaos.
1: Well, no
0: shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Th- that reputation held up.
0: <laughs> so now I'm going to go a little... I'm taking a different approach to this story and how I'm telling it. A lot of times I'll give like sort of an a mysterious overview of what actually happens. And then it all comes clear, like in the investigation, I'm actually going to include what was eventually found in the telling of this, because I think it just, it makes it clearer what happened. So basically I'm going to be giving away quote unquote, giving away what happened in reality. And then we'll talk about the investigation and how it came out in the investigation. Okay. So so I'm, I'm
1: I'm definitely I'm definitely curious.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is a very interesting one. So in 1977, when these sightseeing flights were first started, the New Zealand Department of Transport Civil Aviation Division had to approve the flight plan for this this flight, and they ah, did. Yeah,
1: that's true. Somebody had to go out and. Map it out. And test it and be like, okay, well, this is what you, this well, is where you need to go. This or at is, least
0: had to be mapped out. And yeah. I don't know whether they had to do test runs or what the... I would but guess. But they, they had to register a flight plan sure. with the um, Civil Aviation Division, and they did. Now, this flight plan included a track that went directly from Cape Hallett in... Antarctica. They didn't land there; just no. goes over, and that's that little bit that juts out. Oh, okay, all for, right. For your benefit, there. Um, for
1: the benefit of me. Yes. Thank you.
0: To the McMurdo non-directional beacon, which uh, is somewhere in there. Okay. Um, <laughs> somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. <laughs> just in that area. In just that a, general vicinity of Antarctica. Just picture
1: Antarctica in your mind, and then now just picture somewhere in
0: there. <laughs> somewhere. In there. Somewhere, in there. somewhere in there. But at any rate. To, to sort of track from Cape Pallet to um, the McMurdo non-directional beacon, the flight went almost directly over Mount Erebus, directly over this volcano.
1: Okay so they had to be high in, high in the air at, at that point well, when yeah, they were getting the, the
0: peak was up to like 12, yeah. over 12,000 feet. Um, oh and, and I, they I and they flew already... this they flew this route mm-hmm. for about 18 months. Okay. Tracking over Mount Erebus, um, but about eighteen months into this this flight being offered, um, Air New Zealand made a technological switch to computerized storage and production of flight plans. Uh-oh. They went digital. Okay. Early digital.
1: Very early digital.
0: Um, and at that point, a data entry error was made. <sighs> Now, this is literally as simple as somebody typed in a four when it should have been a six. Yeah. um, Into the coordinates. And the entire route was shifted about 27 miles west. Um, So instead of going right over Mount Erebus, you actually went down the middle of McMurdo Sound, the open water. Okay. Um, So this produced an end point, an end waypoint, which is like a... um, a marker of things that you pass over.
1: I see what you mean. You yeah. Know,
0: a position in the flight route. Yeah. Um, the waypoint ended up being near the Daly Islands in Antarctica, um, although most flights actually didn't even go all the way there. They came back before then. Um because it was common practice at that point for the pilots to dis- disengage nav mode or navigation mode so the computers flying the plane okay. um, or navigating the plane rather okay. oh, um, shit. and instead fly in heading mode which means that the crew could fly at their own discretion to get better views sure to facilitate better sightseeing so
1: I, I I already... I'm going to let you continue, but do you? I... Do
0: Because this gets I, a little more complicated okay. than it sounds. Okay.
1: All but right. I, but I do see where it's going.
0: So there was a shift in the flight plan, and for the next 14 months or so, they shifted to this new flight plan. But the thing is, so how did they not find that this was an error in the flight plan? And, and there's a couple of things. It actually wasn't... Um, it made more sense not to fly directly over an active volcano. Yes. Um, and actually, the path over McMurdo Sound gave better views.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, more bang for your buck, so, yeah, that, that and makes sense, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, the new route is what they used yeah. for the next 14 this months. Good. This is better. Incidence-free. Yeah. So, so, everything was fine. Now, on November 9th, 1979, the pilots of Flight 901... Captain Jim Collins and co-pilot Greg Casson attended a briefing about the flight path. You know, what route they were going to be taking. And this route that was to the west of Mount Erebus is what they were presented with as what they would be doing. Okay. Like, you're going to be flying this way. Um, Now, both Collins and Casson were highly experienced pilots, tens of thousands of flight miles. But this was their first Antarctic sightseeing flight. That they were going to pilot. So this was their first rodeo on that. Sure. Which is um, probably
1: why there was a briefing.
0: Yeah, yeah, p- potentially. Because
1: they, they had never done it before, right. so.
0: um, And uh, Captain Collins actually even, he had a map and showed his daughter the night before, like, oh, here's where we're going, and showed her over McMurdo Sound. So it's clear that is the path they were expecting to go. Sure. It is the path <clears> that was... <throat> Now in the coordinates had been mapped out because mistakenly, but it worked out. So everything was good. But here's the problem. Captain Leslie Smith, who was also at the November 9th briefing, had flown the sightseeing path on November 14th and compared a topographical map like a regular map of the flight path and the plane's internal navigation system, the INS, and found the discrepancy in the route. He's like, ah, wait, this, so this is not is matching not, up. Yeah. Now, he did this of his own volition. He did this in his own, like, it was actually not considered routine procedure to do it. And in fact, Air New Zealand, I read, discouraged it. I'm not sure why. But he, he did this comparison. And he was like, wait, this isn't the f- path that we're supposed to be taking. So he told Air New Zealand's navigation section about it, and the navigation section fixed the discrepancy at 1.40 a.m. on November 28th. <sighs> now, they thought this change really only shifted one point, the whole route, the, the, end, the end waypoint, okay. and only shifted it by a couple of miles, which was within a margin of error that wasn't going to cause any problems, but what they didn't know was it wasn't just that waypoint. It had shifted that entire route back right over Mount Erebus. Oh, fuck.
1: No and shit. And
0: the other problem is they didn't tell the pilots they did anything.
1: So they didn't tell them that they made a... Again, I mean, computers, this is, we're talking 1979. Mm-hmm. Computers today, it's just like, well, duh. Like, that's just, like, errors like that happen. Yeah. This was a, this was brand new, like, technology. cutting-edge shit in 1979. Yeah. I mean, it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I, when, you're, when you're having to deal with a technology that at that time was very primitive. Yeah. If you're going to make some sort of coordinate switch, which is what they did, yes, I mean, they they, they changed, changed the, the coordinates. Route. Yes, they did. Uh huh. Um, in the computer, you would think that they would that the natural thing would be to tell, like, "Hey, the part of the reason we're doing this briefing is because we're making a switch in the coordinates." Well, and,
0: but they didn't have another briefing. Their briefing was November 9th. Uh, right. This is but, November twenty eighth.
1: But still, like just making that change, you would think that they would have like called Told the them, pilots. Yes, yes. Like just give them a heads up. They didn't. Jesus.
0: They so... thought it only changed the end waypoint <sighs> oh, a tiny bit fuck. and it it kinda didn't matter.
1: Well, it did change it a tiny bit.
0: But it changed the rest of the route too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So the problem is that when the pilots the, the pilots the one way they could have caught it is if they had done the same thing that Leslie Smith did and compared a topographical map to all of the coordinates and in the INS? Sure. They didn't, and again, that was not standard procedure. So it wasn't really on them to catch and, this and per se. I didn't.
1: I, I do not think they didn't do it. Like, on purpose, I think they just didn't think to. Well, no, what I'm saying is it wasn't
0: standard procedure. Right. It was kind of random that this other captain did it.
1: Right. Okay. It wasn't that
0: they didn't think to. It just nobody did. Right. It wasn't even a standard NSOP thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So flight 901 left at 8 a.m. from Auckland International Airport on November 28, 1979, And was set to return to Christchurch International Airport at 6:05 p.m. to refuel before making a short flight back to Auckland. So they had to refuel before they got back to Auckland.
1: So they were going to make a landing. Oh,
0: well, after they made the yeah, after
1: they made the yeah, yeah. after they made the
0: the sightseeing sightseeing part of it, yes, uh huh, Um, and then would eventually arrive in Auckland around 9 p.m. About four hours after takeoff, flight 901 was 42 miles away from McMurdo Station. That's 68 kilometers. And the radio communications center allowed them to descend to 10,000 feet, which is 3,000 meters.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a couple thousand feet less than...
0: No, no, no. Air safety regulations at that point didn't allow flights to go below 6,000 feet, or 1,800 meters... Although there was a preponderance of evidence, including pictures in Air New Zealand's own travel magazine, that indicated this flight generally went well below 6,000 feet.
1: Really? So regulations
0: were you have to stay above 6,000 or above, but they routinely went below to get better views. Sure. Sightseeing flight. So the crew lost situational awareness because they thought they were headed for the middle of McMurdo Sound, open water. Captain Collins told McMurdo they would be descending to 2,000 feet oh, wow. or
1: 610
0: meters and they performed a sort of long figure eight type of descent sure um, to break through clouds to clear air below and they ended up about 2,000 feet high. I have a little diagram to show you. That's like the little figure eight okay. That's where they thought they were. Oh, Jesus! This is where they were. Oh man! Yeah. So.
1: Well, we already know that this doesn't end well, but now seeing the, wow.
0: This is where they thought. Yeah, that's where they ended up. Um, Yeah. Look, look, I would highly suggest googling that because it's
1: it's (laughs) at two thousand feet. Yes. So there's no so there's no way out of this to one.
0: the flight crew and to the passengers, everything seemed perfectly normal. The experienced tour guide on board, Peter Mulgrew, pointed out various geographical features that seemed right on track for what they with, were expecting. With where they should be. Because like You can kind of see it in this diagram. When they thought they were seeing this, they were actually seeing this. Out of the east side of the plane, you can see this. Out of the west side of the plane, you can see this. And it was similar topography. They were just in a completely... They were, like, shifted 30 miles over and thought they were looking at different waypoints that they were not. They were looking at something similar. The geography (sighs) just happened to line up. What?
1: I'm just thinking of... Like, if this guy was still doing his announcing thing, like, five seconds before everybody knew they were about to crash.
0: Well, let's That's let's that's, keep going. that's where my
1: mind's going on let's this one. Let's keep going. Oh, shit. Oh, this is, this is fucking terrible.
0: So, to the flight crew and passengers, everything seemed hunky-dory. They thought they were looking at... Straight ahead. They thought they were looking at the Ross Ice Shelf. Yeah which is a huge mass of floating ice in the open water of McMurdo Sound. Unfortunately, what they were looking at is known as Sector Whiteout.
1: (laughs) It even has like a... Just like a... What's the term I'm looking for? Indifferent sort of name. Uh, Like, just like... uh, You've you've reached...
0: Oh, uh, a morbid name or something like that, kind of, yeah.
1: What what was it called again?
0: Menacing Sector Whiteout. Yes,
1: you've reached Sector
0: Whiteout. Mm hmm Um, So what that Ah. was was fogs and clouds Ah. blending with the snow in Mount Erebus to create an optical illusion. Ah, Shit. At 1249 p.m., the ground proximity warning system went off. Indicating that flight 901 was way too close to terrain, too close to ground. Collins immediately called for go around power, which is when you pull back up. Mm-hmm. So gain altitude immediately, a quick ascent, but it was too late. <sighs> and at 1250 p.m. on November 28, 1979, Air New Zealand Flight nine oh one crashed at full speed oh, into the side of Mount Erebus fucking A. and disintegrated. Yeah. All two hundred thirty seven passengers and twenty crew members on board were killed instantly. Fuck
1: yeah. Oh, one
0: hundred eighty passengers were from New Zealand, twenty four from Japan, twenty two from the US, and then there were also people from UK, Canada, Australia, France, and Switzerland on board. Damn. It was full speed slam into the side of a volcano, is what happened.
1: Well, we've all seen what that looks like going into a building. Mm-hmm. We've seen that two different times. Oh,
0: yeah, on the same day.
1: Um, no shit. So, so, again, here's the best possible outcome. At least they all fucking were just all of a sudden...
0: Well, here's the two thing. Two
1: seconds later just dead. So,
0: what I read was that the crew was aware... About six seconds before they crashed, <sighs> and the
1: which means Mr. Tour Guide. It
0: means the passengers were never aware.
1: Right, and yeah, that's that's the best possible the, outcome. So the the, of this.
0: the I guess again, when you have to find a silver lining, it's usually was it quick, and was it painless? And in this case, it actually yeah, was.
1: I'm sure it was.
0: Like the the the. the Flight crew had a little moment of panic because they realized what was happening, although they wouldn't have although known visually what exactly I was just going
1: was to say, they couldn't necessarily see what was happening. Yeah. But they knew they were they in trouble. They knew something
0: was going awry and that yeah. they had to react. Um,
1: That's why he was all like, we gotta fucking gotta pull, pull up. up
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like,
1: everybody, like, hang on to your butts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, Samuel L. Jackson yes. said in Jurassic Park. Yes. But and no um, shit. Yeah. Fuck. But like the solace like if I were a family member I mean if you have to find something like at least slightly they were all having a good old time and happy time taking pictures and, and then stuff just, and just and just bam without yep. And it disintegrates. Yeah, was there was. On impact. Yeah, there's, there was no, no. It's not
1: a fucking movie. Like there was n- no, no nobody's. Nobody's there was surviving no, it.
0: No, yeah. and and that's. I mean, we all kind of hope we can go like that. You know, when it does happen. I mean, we don't want it to happen while we're thinking that everything's great. Well, but...
1: we don't want it to ha- We don't want it to happen ever. Really? Yes, no. But we all have to. Mm-hmm. You know, face the fact that we're it have will. We
0: and so really
1: and hopefully it's not painful and yes, drags and, on. And that's, hopefully it's just uh, hopefully it's going full speed into the side of a mountain.
0: Well, if you have to find a bright spot, that's it. They didn't they didn't know it was coming and they didn't suffer. Sure. So, if that Fucking was some hey. small solace. Hey. But, wow. But it's an it's also just an intense situation, yeah. obviously. And and I can't even imagine just like the the Feelings of the family and
1: whatnot, but was I right about the tour guide? What? Because I said like, like
0: he was talking up to the. Well, moment. I said
1: earlier, like I wonder if he recognized what was happening. He like, would not wow. be looking
0: out the front of the plane for one thing.
1: True, and there's
0: ugh. no way of knowing they weren't True. recording the tour.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: you know, there's uh, flight data recorders and cockpit voice recorders, but there's not but like, a cabin. Have, yeah, I was going to say I wouldn't pick
1: that up. No. Yeah.
0: I mean that sounds like a cool little dramatization, but
1: well, you know that's where my mind. Hopefully goes. he didn't. Yeah.
0: Hopefully he didn't. Hopefully, because it was saying, you know, that's what I'm saying is that he thought he was seeing. Oh no, this is this that yeah. I always see. This is this that I always see because it was lining up the way he was expecting. So hopefully no. Hopefully he did not see it coming. And
1: what you're, what you just flew into was, section what sector one whiteout
0: sector whiteout
1: sector whiteout. Fucking A. Yeah. That's, hmm.
0: So that's what actually happened, and that's what came out, but there's a lot of after stuff to go through. I'm so sure, let's, there, let's I'm, I'm sure that.
1: there's a lot of it.
0: So the crash happened at 12.50 p.m., and at 2 p.m., the U.S. Navy issued a statement that Air New Zealand Flight 901 wasn't acknowledging radio transmissions. So they were kind of AWOL. And soon after, six aircraft were launched to find the plane, which is so interesting because like, (laughs) try to find this plane in the air, you know?
1: A plane that's disintegrated into the side of a mountain.
0: Uh, Yeah. On (laughs) a route that no one was
1: expecting it to take, yeah. And and in a sector that was called whiteout.
0: Well, it's not a sector called whiteout. The phenomenon is called sector whiteout. It means, like, a, a... a pl- the a section in front of you is whited out. There's not a yeah. sector called white out.
1: Oh, I thought that's what you were meaning. Before.
0: No, it's, it's the phenomenon is called sector whiteout.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I thought it this was, I thought this was like a position on this part of Antarctica no, where, no, where no, it's like, where no, it's like you don't no. fly into.
0: No, it's a phenomenon, an gotcha. optical illusion. Oh, okay. phenomenon. Yeah. Um, so about 50 passengers were actually supposed to disembark, late nine oh one when it got to Christchurch for refueling, so not everyone was going all the way back to Auckland. Okay. Um and some of them had family members waiting for them, either picking them up at the airport or whatever the case was. Um and it was relative the the staff at the airport was saying, Oh, it's normal for them to be a little late, don't worry, at first, but then time wore on it was mm, pretty clear, okay, something's going where, wrong. Where's the plane? Exactly. So at 9 p.m., which was when the flight was supposed to be even back in Auckland, it was already supposed to have landed in Christchurch, refueled, and gotten back to Auckland by 9. Um, Air New Zealand told the press they believed the aircraft was lost.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Um, It was already about... That's okay. It was already about a half hour after the flight would have run out of fuel. On its own, anyway.
1: Yeah, Because they were so supposed to
0: refuel in Christchurch, so...
1: They, they probably had some sort of system set up where, if, if it's not back by this time, then it's...
0: Well, whether they did or not, they, it was just common sense, yeah. and they realized Well, since it.
1: they knew how much fuel that it right. needed to, so...
0: So, rescue uh, teams were dispatched along the assumed flight path.
1: Sure, which they thought and was... And they didn't
0: find anything. Yeah. Then, at 12.55 a.m. on November 29th, so a few hours later... A U.S. Navy plane spotted some debris on the side of Mount Erebus, and it was identified as Flight 901. Recovery efforts were called Operation Overdue. Mm, Yeah. And the operation lasted until December 9th, so they worked for a while, like 10 days. There was a lot of pressure from the Japanese government to do what they could because there were 24 Japanese passengers on the plane at the time of the crash. Um, and identification of the individual victims was pretty difficult. Yeah. Due to the nature of the crash. Um.
1: And, and probably just how long it took him to get there, too. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, recovery efforts, um, were done by a team of pathologists, police, and dentists.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: A lot of teeth identification. Um. The conditions for the operation were pretty horrible. I'm
1: sure. Well, it's you're, it's you're the in fucking of Antarctica.
0: Uh huh. Yeah.
1: You're in like literally the most inha- uninhabitable uh, yeah. place on the earth.
0: Um, dozens of people were working in twelve-hour shifts. Sanitary conditions were poor. There was a lot of grunt work moving plane parts, oh, getting sure. oil all over yeah. you. It, it, it's described yeah. as being pretty terrible. Yeah. It was also pretty psychologically harrowing, as you could imagine. Um, one terrible story is that at one point gulls started eating remains
1: Yeah.
0: um, in front of the workers and the workers couldn't like shoo them away. Yeah. Like they they weren't, they couldn't keep up with them. They were just like, this
1: is fantastic. They're like, uh, this is our first time feasting on humans in this part of the...
0: So it was, it was just all pretty awful. God. So in spite of all the struggles that they had, the operation was actually considered highly successful... All but 44 of the victims were individually positively identified, which out of 257 is pretty darn good. It's like 83% success rate. It it was very good. And in 2006, the New Zealand Special Service Medal was instituted to recognize the service of the workers in Operation Overdue. So they did their job really well.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And They went into Antarctica in 1979 to try to identify people who had just...
0: 257 people.
1: Flown... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Full speed into the side of a mountain.
0: Indeed. Yeah,
1: good luck doing that today, even.
0: Yeah, right. And in addition to finding or being able to identify such a large percentage of the victims, the workers of Operation Overdue also found the cockpit voice recorder uh, and the flight data recorder. Oh, shit. Which was important information. Sure. Now apparently there's some controversy over the the quality of the cockpit voice recorder. That it was kind of lo-fi and hard to hear, and there are different versions of the transcript out as to what they actually say because of that. Okay. So I didn't get too deep in that, also because it wasn't super pertinent to how the investigation shook out, because it was clear what happened. Like, what we talked about is what actually happened, so. Sure. Um... So, th- another thing that these workers found was a large number of cameras.
1: Oh, yeah, because sight it's sightseeing tour. So, yeah. probably
0: almost everyone on board had a camera. Yeah.
1: Well, and you would think probably every single person did. That's why they're on this flight. Right.
0: And a a large amount of the film was able to be developed.
1: No shit.
0: Yes. So, are, are, did
1: you see that on Google by uh, any chance? I didn't
0: look it up specifically. It would have been hard because it would have just looked like
1: I guess pictures
0: of snow well, and Well, people water water might have and, gotten
1: a hold of it by then, and
0: maybe, but anyway, what, what that did help with was like reconstructing where they were. Sure, so it, I mean, because this was obviously a difficult investigation. So, um, so that was the rescue operation. Now, let's talk about the investigation in this. This is where the the bulk of the drama happened surrounding this sure. case. Sure. Um, on June twelfth, nineteen eighty, the official accident report was released by New Zealand's Chief Inspector of Air Accidents, Ron Chippendale. I that sounds. <laughs>
1: If you, if we needed a, at least a moment of levity from from this situation, then that, that guy's got the perfect name he does. to be heading up a uh, plane crash investigation. But
0: also, do, it kind of sounds like a quintessentially New Zealand name. Does wrong it? Won't chip and I, dial? Won't <laughs> chip and dial? I, can,
1: I, can, I can't uh, do
0: accents. No. I, well, no, I generally can't, <laughs> but I especially can't do like Australian or New Zealand accents. And I know there's a difference. Yes, there is. I just don't know what it is. So you're charming people in Australia and New Zealand. So charming. I will very quickly take a little dog leg off of this conversation.
1: <laughs> I I know where you're going with this. I don't think you do. Yeah. Oh, I don't. No. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that.
0: That um, when I was... One of my earliest memories of anything, like, Australian, and I know this is New Zealand. I'm sorry, New Zealand. I'm talking about your neighbors for a minute. Um, it, my, my first Im- impression of anything Australian was when I was 12, we were living in Miami with my grandparents, and we had cable for the first time in a little bit. And this was back in the day. This would have been, like, 96, 97. Bravo was an independent movie channel, And not just, like, Real Housewives and Project Runway. That's
1: Yeah, you're right, it was. Yeah, it was, like,
0: an art house type of... um... That's why
1: I never watched it then. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) Well, I remember watching this movie, and I I looked it up because I was thinking about it today. I thought it was called, like, Sissy or something like that, but it must not have been. But it was this fucked up, weird art house movie about, like, this couple who are, like, sexually dysfunctional. And then her sister was this weird, like, nudist in the mud, and they showed it all on Bravo. That, that
1: sounds like a spot-on art house movie to me. Not not a weird one. Like, that's, that's, that's where they make that kind of shit. And then... Like, eight people in the world will get it.
0: She was muddy at one point, but <laughs> naked and in a treehouse, I think? And there... Anyway... <laughs> if okay. any of our listeners know what movie this is, please tell me. Because I tried Googling it and I couldn't figure it out. Anyway. Did
1: you type that everything you just said into Google? Here's what I Do typed it. into
0: Google. Husband, wife, <laughs> sister, Australian art house movie.
1: You should have typed in like nudity. Um
0: Well, does isn't that isn't that synonymous with Art House?
1: Well, yeah, but it helps the search, hmm. you know. It, you know
0: anyway. Should we get back to the disaster?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of curious. <laughs> like when I watched like, this
0: when I was like twelve. Like the,
1: this disaster, like is so terrible, I almost want to talk about the horrible <laughs> art house like you saw in Bravo in nineteen ninety six or ninety seven. See,
0: that's why if anyone ever criticizes the fact that we go off on these tangents yeah. and get distracted, there's reason for that.
1: Cause we're talking about some deep shit.
0: And so it's pleasant to get distracted by something ridiculous and silly. Yes. Yeah. We hope that this levity is, is helpful for you, our beloved listeners. Yes. Well.
1: well, let's get back to uh, I think picking Brooke, up picking up body parts in Antarctica.
0: I personally think Brooke and Rachel appreciate it. Yes, they do. Yes. But let's talk about the bodies in Antarctica. Oh, mm, yes. God. And Robin, Ron Chippendale.
1: Yes. Let's, let's definitely talk about Ron, Ron Chippendale. Ron Chippendale.
0: Ron Chippendale.
1: Ron Chippendale. <laughs> That's a lovely accent. Where are you from? <laughs> Austria. Oh, Austria. Well, good day, good mate. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Yes, I'm, I'm I knew you had
0: to. That's all right. <laughs> at least I don't have to ask you what movie that's no. from. Even though I've never seen it.
1: Even if you're if you're asking yourself at home.
0: It's Dumb and Dumber.
1: Yeah, well, and and shame on you for not knowing.
0: Well, no, not shame on you. <laughs> I've never seen it all the way through anyway.
1: Shame on you for being a millennial and not seeing Dumb and Dumber.
0: Oh, so this official report, <laughs> let's be serious now, Okay. the Chippendale report. <laughs> that's you really just what said, it was known you as. You just
1: said, let's be serious.
0: That's what it was known as, know, the Chippendale report. I know, but you
1: can't be serious about that.
0: <laughs> anyway, it found that the main cause of the accident was pilot error.
1: And that's not, not that is true. not
0: true at all, but let's keep going. He said Collins was flying too low, and especially that
1: was that was true.
0: It's true that he was flying below what was
1: the regulated, the the agreed to upon. Yes. Basement.
0: But every other flight did it. True. So, but yes, but you're right. Um,
1: but they were, but just and, beca- just because everybody else was doing it didn't make it okay.
0: And he claimed that Collins wasn't sure of his position, so he especially shouldn't have been flying so low then. But Collins didn't know he wasn't sure of his position. Anyway.
1: Because everything kind of looked the way it was supposed to. Uh,
0: yes. So basically, this guy got it wrong. What happened? So you see where I was saying that, like, I was sort of putting out what actually happened before going into the investigation. Sure. Because I wanted it to be clear what actually happened first. So the public and the families of the victims mm. were not satisfied with these findings. Yeah,
1: I'm sure they were not. Um,
0: obviously, it looked like a cover-up. And so um, the New Zealand government began a royal commission of inquiry into the disaster to be performed by one man, one justice, one judge, Justice Peter Mann.
1: I thought you were going to say Judge Dredd.
0: <laughs> Chippendale and, and Dredd. That's <laughs> right, the dude is still. Okay. Or, or what about Dredd? Or <coughs> Drudge, then it would have been the Drudge Report, right? No,
1: no, not Drudge. Dredd. Dread report.
0: Well, no, I just mean because oh, of the... I gotcha. St- ...stupid whatever. Anyway.
1: Judge Dread.
0: Justice Man, and it's M-A-H-O-N. M- I imagine it's Mahon or Mahon. Sure. But anyway, I'm just going to call him Mahon. Mahon. I'm American, sorry. A? Um, no, not A. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I, I was just... Oh, I gotcha. I was, uh, I was giving a shout-out to my Canadian roots. Oh,
0: okay. Very good. So, Man was a veteran of the New Zealand Armed Services. He served... In the military, he had been a prosecution attorney, a prosecutor, and was a very well-respected judge. So everything pointed towards this is a good idea and this is the right guy. So Mann was the one who found out all the shit about the whiteout and about the flight path change. He was the one who revealed all that and investigated it and figured it out. He released his findings in a report on April 27th, 1981, basically saying like, nope, Chippendale was wrong. This is what happened. Mm. Um, And he cleared the crew of any culpability in the disaster. He said this was not pilot error. He didn't do anything that wouldn't have been considered out of the ordinary. This was not the crew's fault. He said that the flight plan change and the lack of advising the crew of the change was to blame. So basically he shifted it from the pilot to air New Zealand. Sure. Um, and as for <laughs> and, the, and,
1: and the, uh, and the coder that was putting in know, this, well,
0: well, that was air New Zealand's mm-hmm. jurisdiction, right? So as for the low God. altitude, he said the radio communication center at McMurdo station had okayed the descent. Oh, did. okay. All right. So the pilot, well, because they think they're, because they that. think
1: they're flying over water, not, not in a, you know, not in a valley. Somewhere. Yep. Jesus.
0: So, so Mann was the one who cleared up, like, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Mann went one step farther. He stated in his report that Air New Zealand executive and senior management pilots, after the fact, had engaged in conspiracy during the investigation to try and cover up the fact oh, that they screwed up yeah. and that they lied to investigators and deliberately covered up. Everything.
1: No shit. So
0: he not only put the blame on Andrew New Zealand, he pointed the finger at them and mm-hmm. said, you did this on purpose. Not, not the screwing up that messed up the flight. But once,
1: did. once you re- realize that you did screw up, you tried to suppress it.
0: That's what they were saying. Basically obstruction of justice for mm-hmm. us, you know, um, there was a huge backlash from Air New Zealand. Yeah. And Air New Zealand had some very important political allies.
1: I'm sure they did.
0: Namely, one New Zealand Prime Minister, Robert Muldoon, who was a close friend of Air New Zealand's CEO, Maury Davis. Mm-hmm. Is this sounding familiar at all?
1: It is a little bit. That, that Prime Minister's <laughs> name sounds familiar. Muldoon? Yes, Robert Muldoon. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how long he was prime minister. I didn't look into him that much. For and some reason, that prime minister history. For
1: some um, reason, that name though. sounds familiar. If you had just said the name out mm. loud, I wouldn't have pegged it to the Australian yeah. prime minister New and, or New Zealand. Sorry,
0: you're not the same country. When we recognize that. Yes, I am sorry. You're where the hobbits live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. If we you just, love you, if New Zealand. If you threw that
1: name out, I would not have guessed that this is the New Zealand.
0: Mm-hmm. Prime
1: Minister in 1979, but for some reason that name just sounds familiar. Okay. It just does. I don't know.
0: Okay. So the airline demanded judicial review of the Mann report and the case went to went before the Court of Appeal in October 1981. Okay. The Appellate Court found that there was insufficient evidence to prove conspiracy. Mm. So they were basically like, "No, man, you got this wrong." And Justice Mann retired immediately.
1: Yeah. Because at that
0: point, his credibility was kind of shot. And the fallout from this included friction between Muldoon and his attorney general, Jim McClay, who was a strong defender of Justice Mann. So they were both on opposite sides of this. And there was... (laughs) Here's the other thing. There was an awful lot of tiebacks between the appellate court and Air New Zealand, including justices of the court who had children who worked for Air New Zealand. Mm. Mayon petitioned the government for appeal to the Privy Council, which was the highest court of appeal, but they declined to take up the matter. Regardless of the conspiracy allegations, which I frankly could believe in a heartbeat. I mean... If if there's the possibility that like a corporation tried to cover up something to save its own ass, I'd say that's a pretty good bet.
1: Yeah, you, you can pretty much. Uh, yeah, you can always roll the dice on that one, whether or not you'll get paid out.
0: Right. That's a different story. But, but I'm Team Man on the, Justice Man yeah, on this I, one. Yeah, I, I would. I would definitely guess that that is exactly what happened. Because now that's not what uh, legally shook out. Uh,
1: because in that, uh, in this partic- particular system of capitalism, capitalism that we have, that is, you know, in other parts of the world, you can kind of do that because the bottom line is maximizing your profit. Yeah. And if you all of a sudden are realizing that you're responsible for 300-plus people dying, you know it's going to cost
0: you a lot of money. Oh, yeah. A lot of money. As it was, I think they operated a couple more of these sightseeing flights, Mm -hmm. which is kind of surprising that they even did that. Sure. But by 1980, it was done. Yeah. It was just done.
1: And so they're looking at that. Yeah. Being like, well, if we are responsible for this and they... May or may not have known it. Most likely they knew it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hence the conspiracy. Right. Um, and they're like, they're probably like, run this through the numbers guy. What is this going to cost us? Yeah. Like, court costs, settlements. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh, 500 million. So, no, we're going to cover this up.
0: So ultimately, yeah. the appeals court cleared them of conspiracy charges. So it wasn't saying that they weren't to blame for like some negligence or something. But it was saying that they didn't try to obstruct justice, basically. Okay. Now, regardless, Justice Mann was the one who re- who uncovered the whole what happened. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but like he was pretty critical of um, Chippendale for not having uncovered that. Sure. Although, if Chippendale was being... I know it's hard to it say is. Chippendale with it a straight is. face. If Chippendale was being... Like, deliberately told lies by Air New Zealand to try and cover it up. That would well, have been another thing.
1: That's true as well.
0: Yeah. But. Because,
1: uh, I mean, for the most part, he only knew what other people were telling him.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, because that's what it, you yeah. know. He wasn't
1: actually doing the investigation himself.
0: Right. Yeah. You know,
1: he was just supervising it.
0: Well, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So in 2008, Justice Mann was posthumously awarded the Jim Collins Memorial Award by the New Zealand Airline Pilot Associ- Pilots Association, quote, in forever changing the general approach used in transport accident investigations worldwide. Almost all of the remains of the actual plane of Flight 901 are still right where they I've, landed in Mount Erebus. I Arbus.
1: wouldn't doubt that they are.
0: During warm periods, the wreckage is visible from the air. Still. Still to this day.
1: No shit. And it's been almost 40 years. Yep. That's crazy.
0: Yep. And that, my friends, is the story, (sighs) the tragic story of New Zealand's Mount Erebus disaster.
1: That might make it even fucking worse. You can still see that thing. It's there. Like, no shit. Like, you you would think that...
0: I mean, nobody's going to. It's in Antarctica, but...
1: No, but you would think that, like, I mean, it's been 40 years. You would have thought
0: it would have been covered
1: over and...
0: Oh, well... No, no, that's what I'm saying. Well, (laughs) I guess. But no,
1: there's not going to be a cleanup on Antarctica. No, they're not going
0: to haul that stuff away.
1: I understand they (laughs) want to investigate bodies, and so that yes, that yes, makes and sense.
0: remains they took back. And... But they're
1: not taking pieces of the plane with them no. to try to invest, like, obviously... Of a
0: huge plane.
1: Obviously, it crashed fucking at full speed into the mm-hmm. side of the mountain. Case closed on that one.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so they're not... <laughs> yeah. They're not gonna haul pieces of a plane off Antarctica, off yeah. the side of a fucking volcano, volcano in Antarctica in yeah. 1979. They're not gonna do it today.
0: hmm
1: It's probably not ever going to happen. No. So... Jesus, but that, that was, that was so that's, fucking brutal. Yeah, but at the same time, it wasn't.
0: Well, the 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 actual the, the fact only that pi- it was the a, only... that it was a stupid mistake yeah. on multi on, on several occasions is the 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 maddening part of it. Sure, the deaths themselves obviously horribly tragic. A bunch of people just thinking they were going to look at something fun and ended up... And they did. And they did and then died. But the actual deaths themselves were about as best as you could hope for.
1: That really is like the best possible outcome. That's,
0: That's like the only slight glimmer of anything nice in this entire story and that's not even really nice because like They're these dead. people were these people had years ahead of them yeah. you know if, if it had all gone fine so yeah it's a bad one so we love you new zealand even though we mistakenly called you australia a couple times sorry about that and i made that hobbit crack i feel bad about <laughs> that because i feel like you probably get that most of the time I feel like you owe...
1: Hey, but think of think of how much money, like, just Peter Jackson wow. on his own has, you know...
0: Well, I was going to say... Ha- has
1: made for New Zealand just because of that.
0: I was going to say, I feel like um, that means that you owe us a bunch of terrible, uh, you know, insults and jokes, but we are the world's insult and joke at this point in the United yeah. States. So see, what it really is is latent jealousy <laughs> that... Um, you guys have a beautiful country. I wanted to go there on our honeymoon. You did? Yeah. Um,
1: I definitely shut that down. That's way too long of a flight. <laughs> <laughs> How long is the, was the flight again? I don't again? know. I don't 14 remember. hours? I don't,
0: it would be worth it.
1: it well, it would be. I, someday. And I promise
0: you, New Zealand, if and when we get big enough to tour... We're, and we go to Australia, I promise, even if it takes our own money, we will go to New Zealand and visit you as well. Yes. We'll shake every individual listener's hand in New Zealand and take a picture.
1: <laughs> all, ten, all ten of you that show up <laughs> the event. Well, that used to listen.
0: <laughs> that used to listen. I wish you guys would listen again because it was fun to think that people in New Zealand, literally halfway around the world... We're, we're listening to us.
1: Yeah, we definitely don't know anybody in New Zealand. No. So that just that just happened organically.
0: Yes. At any rate, we're sorry that happened to yes. your country. Yes,
1: absolutely. That's. Well, it happened to a lot of countries. I mean, there it were a did. lot of,
0: It did. It yeah. did. Most, mainly, like 180 were sure. New Zealanders, but yeah. It
1: seemed like the. What, what was it? Japan?
0: 24, yeah. Japan, 22 U.S. Had like the.
1: Yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. But, it, yeah. it affected multiple countries. It
0: did. It did. Absolutely. But I mean it was Air New Zealand which is yep. a New Zealand company, blah blah blah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that was the Mount Erebus disaster.
1: And that that was that was pretty sad. Yeah. And heartbreaking. But
0: Yeah.
1: As we said before, small silver lining.
0: Tiny tiny little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, this has been another episode of all bad things. I'm David.
0: I'm Rachel. We'll
1: see you next week.